yo, it's Blue, baby. You're now rocking with Blue Dope, Season 3, Episode 1. I couldn't wait to get back to all of you. More dope conversations, dope guests. And we're going to start off right with Episode 1, Kia Marie, a.k.a. the Notorious Kia. You might know her as a sneakerhead, a DIY specialist, a fashionista. However you know her, we're trying to get to know her even more and find out how she got to where she is today knowing the masses, tons of followers, and is able to be an influencer without having some grounding and a story. And at the end of the day, Blue Dope's all about the story. How did we get here? Each one teach one. We all move forward. I hope you could pick some nuggets and gems out of her story, put it into your own as you build up your journey. Today's episode is actually sponsored by Manscaped. Join the 4 million plus men who have taken self-care up a whole nother level with the Lawnmower 4.0. It's the newest edition. It's waterproof. Man, they even got free international shipping right now. And what we're doing at Blue Dope, we're making sure you get 20% off. Use the code Blue Dope when you're at Manscaped. So when you're in that shopping cart, don't forget, put Blue Dope, get that 20% off. I like a discount. I know you like a discount. And ladies, you can gift this too. You don't have to wait for us to say, hey, we want Manscaped. Maybe you want to send a message without having to say it. Manscaped as a gift is the perfect way to do that. You never know. Might actually try it out. Manscaped.com, Blue Dope. Hey, yo, it's Blue, baby, and it's Blue Dope. Today, I'm with Kia Marie, the kickfluencer, right? The stylist. Uh-oh. <laughs> See, no, I, I'm not even going to lie. Like, out the gate, I was just like, yo, what am I even going to wear today? Because right? I'm not trying to get bodied, but you know what? I'm going to just fall back because... If Kia Marie's in the building, I'm gonna get body with whatever I got no, on. So I went, no, I'm I went, chilling today. I'm I'm so <laughs> chilling. I'm chilling. I have not really been on sneakers like that. It's, really? it's crazy. Yeah, because it's just it gets too crazy sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a OG. Like I just love sneakers. Like I'm not a sneakerhead or anything like that. Yes. I've just always really been into sneakers. And so where the culture is today, it just it just doesn't really align with my values and stuff. Wow. So wow. trying to really see where I fit in, like still enjoying the culture, still enjoying sneakers. Um, but not really about the height. Got so, it, got it. Yeah. Now, it's it's changed a lot, right? Yeah. The height bees have changed the whole situation. For sure, for sure. But I mean, you're a stylist, mm-hmm. right? You're a vlogger. I, I see you doing beauty vlogs. So it's not only, it's kind of everything. It's everything lifestyle. It's just the whole life. Um, I started with um, doing DIYs. Okay. So I would just like show people how to remix items in their closet and just like create so DIY things. with clothing. Yeah, with clothing, and so um, that was on YouTube in 2011. Okay, and so naturally people started inquiring about you know my just general style, and so that's how things happen. Like I never want to, I never wanted to share everything. Yeah, but it's yeah. only because like to feed that need. Like okay. your audience is asking for these things, so you're like, <laughs> okay, well, okay, I guess so. I guess so, and it's like you know. A different bag, more coin, okay. like, you know, just how you elevate in in whatever it is you're doing. So I, I got to take it all the way back. Yeah. Where were you born? Like, what was that story? What was the background story? Little Where Pia. was I born? Yeah. Um, I was born in Brooklyn, New York. Okay. Uh, my parents Brooklyn fell in, in love. And Brooklyn. <laughs> um, and where was I born? Kings County. Well, I mean, not, not that specific. No, no. We're going to paint, paint the I'm, I'm picture. <laughs> Hate the picture. Um, but yeah, I was born in Brooklyn. Um, I was I lived here until I was about six years old. Okay. 
And then we moved to San Diego, California. My stepdad like, was in the Navy. Okay. And so so I was, was going to ask, like, who, yeah, who had the ties? It was a complete culture shock. Okay. Um, you know, I was used to being in a classroom with majority black people, Hispanic people. Um, and then you go to California, it's like one of one or two black people in your class. Wow. And I remember one story, I went home to my mom. I was like, mom, it's mad Puerto Ricans in my class. She was like, they're not Puerto Rican, they're Mexican. <laughs> And so, like, everything was just, like, completely different than what I was used to. And, you know, not being, seeing as many black people in general. Like, this was, like, a suburban life. I went from, you know, city to to the suburbs. It was a completely just change of pace. But luckily, you know, all my family lived in New York. So every Christmas, every summer, I would come out here. So I was always tapped in. And so this is obviously before the internet. And so I was always ahead of the curve when it came to fashion, music, all of that stuff. So very early on, I always had... An individual style in okay. me and because i moved around we moved around a lot i was always the new girl so mm. i never really got a chance to like establish clicks okay. or you know do things like that so that really i look back at my childhood and that really gave me that individualism and you know that confidence to just you know do what i do um from california we went we bounced back and forth between new york and california for a couple of years and then we moved to new jersey okay um, which what is about, uh, it was like South Jersey, maybe like 30 minutes from Philly. Like so, Cherry Hill? Yeah, okay. like around there. And so this was another culture shock because I'm seeing like, you know, more black people, but these black people are from Philly, majority yeah. of them. You know, you get a little money, like you go, you, yeah, you go to, um, you know, to the suburbs yeah, kind yeah. of thing. Um, so I'm seeing their styles and, you know, how they incorporate certain things. They were really big into, what are they? It was like the Keds at that point. Okay, the Pro Keds. The Pro Keds. It was also, State Property. What, what years was this? Oh my guess it was I, I, went, years. I went to Temple for a year. So oh, I, was, yeah. I graduated from Temple. Really? Yeah. When year did you graduate? Um, look, you want to tell my age? I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not <laughs> shy about my age. I graduated from Temple in 09. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, State, like growing up that close to Philly during that era, like I'm a the biggest Jay Z fan. And so but naturally. You're not a fan, whole fan than me. Okay. Then we, <laughs> we can go bar for bar. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> So um, just being in that era and just absorbing like that culture, like when S. Dodge dropped and mm-hmm. just the state property, like the the whole, you know, whole suit. Yeah, like and... all of that. Iconic. Iconic. Now, I, I used to love, like I'd be listening to Blueprint, but then I'd also be driving up Broad Street just listening to the reason and the truth. And yep. it was a whole vibe. Like you felt it. And I actually ran into Seagull like on um, South Street. Really? Like, he was in total sport. Mm-hmm. For anyone who was familiar with Philly in that area, it was just, you had the total sport besides that, the Michelin Nest store. Yep. So you see even people from New York, Fabulous would come down, Mr. Cheeks, just yep. run into these people at those stores. So it's a whole vibe. It like was that a whole time vibe. was crazy. It was a whole vibe. So all my influences is what I always talk about, you know, it really influenced my style. The fact that I do have a diverse background mm-hmm. um, where I lived and I always took cues. Like naturally, you're a kid, you get influenced, you know, all the kids are wearing a certain thing, you want to wear it. But we didn't really have it like that. Um we, I got to get what I like. We wasn't struggling, but yeah, it wasn't yeah. like I could have all the sneakers I wanted or anything like that. So I really had to pick and choose. Like, you know, I learned about versatility and wearability, like really young. Like, what can I get the most bang for my buck? Okay. So I stayed with the the freshest pair of Uptowns. Like, that was a must beginning <laughs> of the year. Um, like field tips because they were durable. Like they the were durable and, and and they worked with everything. Yeah. Like those. Um, also like the Tims, the field Tims, like the all um tan ones. Those were mm-hmm. I used to wear those with the skirts. beef and brats. Yeah, the beef and brats. <laughs> all of those. Like and used the to beef wear with skirts. Skirts. Uh-huh. What? All of that. Yeah. It was dope. Um, 
Jersey, and then I was really big into sports, which is the reason why I love sneakers so much. So okay. like athleisure was like what I've always worn. You you played sports like yeah, I played what? basketball through college, no, through high school, and then okay. I ran track through college. Oh, so you yeah. played track? You did track at Temple? Not at Temple. Or not I, Temple before but right, Temple. Got it. Got it. I went to this black small black college called West Virginia State University, and oh, so wow. I was on a scholarship there. But I hated West Virginia. It was like a dump. Like it was nothing there. I mean, it was a black college, but it was like that <laughs> was the only thing. So the college and then boom, just Yeah, but in in college is where I I had a lot of friends from D.C. So that was another influence. So that's when I got into the New Balances Uh, um, was from, you know, watching how the people people in D.C. did it. And, you know, they love their like their cargo shorts. I really love D.C. style. You was really feeling styles out everywhere. Yes, that was just me. Like, I'm always going to like, you know, the first thing you see is like somebody's style. And then you start to put things together. Like, okay, people from here are dressed like this and people from here are dressed like that. Like, how can I take all these different influences? But, But you didn't have a bias towards it, which is beautiful. No. Like, I think for me, when I went to Temple... It was my first time, like, not living in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. So I had this super Brooklyn mentality, yeah. and I went down there, and I was just like, all right, cool. So everyone from South Jersey down is from the South, because <laughs> it's not, it's a different vibe. Right. And then, I mean, even then, I didn't have a beard, so, like, even, like, the facial, like, yeah. the, the guys it's down the in culture, Philly, like, yep. it's, a, it's a whole vibe. Yep. So I didn't go with the open mind, but then I think once... I felt the love. And I think it was like that whole Beanie thing. Like yes. people just smelt the Brooklyn on mm-hmm. me. So everywhere I went in Philly, they showed love. Yep. So once it was reciprocated, I'm like, okay, like it's a, I'm, I'm cool here. It's, yep. It's, yep. So, I mean, at what point, like, firstly, what, what did you go to school at Temple for and West Virginia besides track at West Virginia? What, what did you study? Um, criminal justice. I wanted to be a lawyer uh-huh. um, at the time. Um, well, not, no, not even before. Before that, before being wanting to be a lawyer, because that wasn't until I got to Temple. Um, I wanted to be in some type of law enforcement, uh-huh. like DEA, FBI, oh, something like that. Like I wanted, yeah, I wanted to do something <laughs> like that. And this is obviously before, you know, all Black Lives Matter stuff yeah, and all police yeah. brutality. Um, I just took an interest in it. In okay. it, And I don't think necessarily just because you're interested in something, you should major in it. Looking back, I definitely wish I had the opportunity to like, um, like take a gap year or really figure out like what my passions were. Um, but you know, my my parents are from the old school. You know, you go, they work hard for you to go to college, you get a job, you retire at thirty after thirty years, and that's it. It wasn't no body around me that worked in fashion or entertainment. Mm-hmm. Like my godfather, he did play for the Sixers, and so that okay, was like nice. the closest thing I had to like somebody what of celebrity. That? World be free. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He played for the Sixers, the uh, Cavaliers, Golden State. Wow. Golden yeah. State. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was like the closest thing I had to anybody in entertainment. Okay. Um. So I never really, you know, if you don't see it, you can't believe it. Like that's why representation is so important because you can envision yourself in this position. And so part of the reason why I do what I do, nice. um, because you know, just to show girls coming up, like there is no one path. Like you can really carve it out on your own. I mean, what you think you're going to be doing is not necessarily what you're actually going to end up doing. Just, you know, keeping an open mind and just allowing, you know, God and the universe to kind of guide you. Um, so where are we at? I mean, did you feel like with the neighborhoods that you were in, you kind of missed some of that representation? Like you mentioned being in San Diego, like did that like affect you that much? I'm Anna. A transgender woman. And I'm Cam, your dad. And this is The Transgender. Join Anna as she chronicles her transition and Cam as he learns how to be a supportive parent. 
this podcast is about embracing differences and finding common ground. It's a roller coaster of emotions, laughter, and genuine connection. Tune in to new episodes of the Transgender Biweekly. Subscribe and listen to the Transgender on your favorite podcast platform. Love you all, except the bigots. No, um, yeah, I would say I don't look in, I don't know. Cause I don't think <laughs> I don't know because I don't know. Because I always still always had like that one foot in, one foot out in New York yeah. kind of thing. But I do feel like I missed out on eras in New York. Okay. Like there okay. are some eras that I'm like, yo, I missed out like on that. The dips era, yeah, like, like the dipset <laughs> era, like when everybody was down here in Soho, like yeah, I was yeah, yeah. I was, I think I was either in West Virginia or okay. I was in Philly. I can't remember where I was at, but I missed out on the whole on fashion. Street. The whole <laughs> the Philly fashion is not like New York. Not <laughs> at all. No shade. Um, no shade, but it's no like a, it's like a five all. block version of Soho. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're not really getting, I think Philly introduced me to designer stuff. Like they're uh. really big on designer. And I was down there when like scamming first started. <laughs> Like it's, I feel like it started in Philly. It one hundred percent started in, in Philly. I, I feel like it started in Canarsie, Brooklyn. <laughs> I mean, so it, okay, it, initially, <laughs> let's say, it be, but when it started blowing yeah, up, like was Philly, I was, Philly that was, was it was heavy. in Philly, and so you would see people with all this designer you had stuff. Your connect. I didn't have a connect, but yeah. I knew people that were, were were doing it. But that's what I'm saying. But they would have plug. It's not like you yeah, were doing I it. Wasn't, but I wasn't, I wasn't like buying from I wasn't them. buying from okay. them because um, I still had like a little moral compass back then. Um, <laughs> right now, like the pieces hitting. Oh, I'm playing. Um, but yeah, Philly was definitely big as far as like design. Like that's where I was like people were just really into like what you wore and the labels yeah. that you wore. I'm sure it was the same New York, but I wasn't in New York during yeah. this time, so I didn't really see like or the girls were wearing like UGGs. Okay. Like that was the big thing. Uh, the polo boots. Mm-hmm. Um, it was so, <laughs> on that cookie era. boots or huh? girls were wearing cookie boots or nah. What is a cookie like the, boots? Like the, the polo joint that go all the way up with the little circle. I, in New York, they were calling them cookie boots for a while. So cookie boots. Yeah, I missed that. I missed that <laughs> one. Uh, <laughs> but Philly was dope. Um, when I was at Temple, there was a lot of people from New York. So this yeah. was the first time I felt like at home since yeah. I kind of left home. Like it was like. You know, if you're from New York, everybody's going to click up and be like, oh, I'm from New York. Yep. You're from New York. Yep. Da, da, da. And so that really felt good to be around not and be close to New York at that yeah. and to be around people from New York. Um, and that's where that's where I really got back into sneakers. OK. And so um, I really because I was so close, I would go to Sneaker Villa. Mm-hmm. I would go up to the um, Foreman Mills Mall. Like I was in the sneaker store heavy. I'd, I'd be up in like Sheltenham Square Mall looking for sneakers <laughs> anywhere yes. I could find a deal. Like I'd be on yeah. Gerard and like random neighborhoods. I had a car like going into college. So same, freshman year, same. I was just driving around Philly finding stuff. Like, oh, yeah. y'all, you give it to me for how much? Yeah. All right. And yeah. so this was the first time I could really like afford to um to really start getting into sneakers. Okay. Okay. Um prior to that, you know, I was like a RA and I was focused on track. So I really couldn't like have a job. You lived or in Johnson Harwick. I'm going too temple deep right now. You lived in Johnson <laughs> right. Harwick? No, I, you did when it? I got there, it was like, you know, I was a sophomore when got I got it. there. So yeah, they was yeah. like kicked no, you off no. campus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you had to find your own. But yeah, I was paying my rent was like three hundred dollars. So three hundred dollars and then whatever was left, and then I would get these disbursement checks. Listen, if you're in college right now or about to go to college, let me tell you the devil that the disbursement checks is do not spend them checks because you gotta pay them back. Yeah. <laughs> so facts. that's how they get you. They give the kids like it should go to whoever the parent yeah, who got who facts. took out the loan or something. Facts. But yeah, I used to get like these five thousand dollar check disbursement <laughs> checks and I used to bank on them. I'm like, what well, I wonder what I'm gonna get back this year. Like it felt like tax. It was like season. tax. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it felt like tax season. It was college tax back. Exactly. So I was like, yo, fine. 
and I never told my mom of like during oh, wow. the time because I know she would have probably told me don't spend yeah, it, yeah. whatever. But nah, I, I ran like, through nah. those checks too. Ran, ran through them. Like I would pay my, I was responsible. I would pay my rent for the remainder mm-hmm. of the semester, but then with everything else kicked. Like I was into the sneakers. I would have. What else was I really into? This is when like the premium denim was in. Like so, mm-hmm. I had my um uh. Like some of Vizu's or something. Some of Vizu's. What yeah. was the other one? Um, antiques. Those were my favorite. <laughs> I love me some antique denim. So, yeah. So what What was your, if you could remember, what was like that first sneaker that got you addicted to sneakers at the time? Mm-hmm. I would probably say, I mean, there's a few. When the, um, when the Olympic 7s came out. Mm-hmm. That, I was just like, yo, I have to have these. Mm-hmm. I have to have them. Um, when the 95s, the Rainbow 95s mm-hmm. came out, that was the first time I like shopped around. Like I was going up and down Utica trying <laughs> to find, I was going to every sneaker store and they yeah. did not have them. <laughs> so I was like, I was trying to get it. Um, yeah, it was around those. Um, but the ones I really, really, really love to this day are definitely like the Aqua 8s when those mm-hmm. first came out or came back out. The 8s are out. like the softest, most comfiest Jordans. Yes. I tell people all the time. I wore those to the tongue, like expanded. Yeah. I still have them to this day too. Yeah. It's like, so yeah. Now I finally threw out a pair of 8s I had with the, the whole bottom just crumpled. <laughs> and I was just like, I started using them as like slippers. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's mad funny. I was like, it's time. I just got to part ways with it. Yes. But you know. Like for me, it was definitely probably the um the last shot fourteens. Okay. And it's funny, it was a mistake for me because I really wanted the black and blue penny fours that dropped. It was like a foot action exclusive. <laughs> Same thing. I went to I had my mom drive me from Kings Plaza wow. to Green Acres in Long Island to like <laughs> a bunch of malls we never even been to. And Just none of them it. had the pennies. Nope. So I settled for the last shots. Yeah. And then, you know, it was like an iconic shoe after the fact. Also, when the the Pradas the Pradas was out, that's when I was heavy on the internet, and I was trying to find them on the internet. Like I found a few spots. They, I don't know if they were fake. Now, now that I think about it, because it was a little too good to be true, uh-huh. but I was just like really into the Pradas too, and so I found. And the Pradas are back now. I know, and I'm like, and they, they're, they're like eight hundred dollars now. I know. I'm like, hmm, that's a little nostalgic. No, for see, me. Pradas. It was kind of like that shoe that for guys they said, all right, no sneakers in the club. Yep, Pradas. Are you you going, with for, it? going on an interview? Yeah. Prada's. <laughs> <laughs> you saw them everywhere. Yeah, that was the era. And so like in Philly, they weren't up on that. They didn't know exactly. what those were. Like maybe a couple years later, um, they started wearing it, like people that knew. And that's how it always been. Like I always was ahead of the curve because of where I was yes. at. Yes. Because just having the, the foundation, the background being from New York. So wherever I was at, I was always ahead. And people looked to me, you know, for fashion cues. Um, and so that I've always had that about me. And so it kind of translated. It's natural that I'm doing what I'm doing. Yes. But the path to get here was a little rocky. <laughs> now, I mean, so you finished school, whatever the case finished may be. Finished school, I didn't know. I graduated my last year. I didn't do any internships. Like, I honestly, I don't even know where my head was at then. Um, I don't know what I wanted to do. Mm. Graduated, went back home to Jersey, okay. stayed with my parents. And I kind of like, was just like what I want to do. And so this is when like the era of like having a fashion blog was like a thing. Okay. Um, so while I was at Temple is where I really, I started thrifting when I was at Temple. So really, I really got to start playing around with my style. Um, so I was just experimenting. And you were sourcing through Philly? Sourcing through Philly had, that was the, Philly has the, to this day has the best thrift yes. stores. Yes. Um, and they still have good prices. And so I was able to play around with my style. And then I started a style blog and started, um, you know, shooting different looks and all that kind of stuff. And 
it was uh, the summer of 20, 2009. Uh, Lloyd Banks was having a, a party at his house. And so okay. one of my homegirls invited me. She's like, yo, you want to go to this party at Lloyd Banks? I'm like, sure, of course. Yeah. And so I don't remember what I was wearing, but it was just, it was, I was very, I used to just very crazy. Um, <laughs> like crazy how? Crazy, like, not crazy, but crazy like, oh, like, I wouldn't wear that, but that's, that's, that's dope. Like, okay. you know. But you would wear it. I would wear it. Okay. I did not care. And so I pull up. And so, like, uh, obviously, it's, it's um, Lloyd Banks' house. But um, Tony Yeo, I started having a conversation with him. And he's like, are you a stylist? And I was just like, no. He's like, you should be a stylist. Wow. And I was just like, okay. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> so Yeo said, I'm Yeo a stylist. I'm a stylist. I'm going to be a stylist. And so he planted that seed. Like, if I ever met him to the day, I'm like, Yo, do you understand what you did for me? Um, so from that day, I was just like, I'm a stylist. And I started saying, <laughs> wow. yeah, I'm a stylist. And this is Save when. Chest. Yes. Model mayhem was like a big thing. Yeah, yeah. Sure oh, I, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm, I'm so a I, photographer too. So, okay. Yeah. So that's when I created my model mayhem account. And I would use like my friends as my models uh -huh. to start. So I would start styling them. And then, you know, so I had a little, I would start shooting them too. I had like a little Nikon. That was probably my yeah. first camera. Wow. And I would shoot them. And I'm just so grateful for them. They allowed me to style them and shoot them. I would put it on my model mayhem. And then like after like a couple of weeks, Bookings. I started getting booked nice. um, and I would start working with like the same photographer and he would refer me. And that's, that's how it would go. It was like, yeah, you refer and then yeah. you start working. And I was just having the time of my life, just wow. like really creating. But you know, my parents is on my back. Like, what do you want to do with your yeah, life? Yeah. And so I was just like, I want to be an entertainment lawyer, like kind of thing. Cause I always had a thing for like law. And so I was like, mm. you know, I'd be an entertainment lawyer. And so my mom was working at a law firm and that probably was like the influence that I had. And she was working with this black woman and she was actually moving to New York and she was looking for an intern. Like she was like, uh -huh. maybe, you know, it was just like kind of like she didn't really need it. And you it. heard New York. Right. Like, All right. She didn't really need it, but she was just like, you know, I'm going to help yeah, you yeah, out. Yeah. You know, young black girl, you could come up under me or whatever. Um, see if you really like it. And so she started, this is when ringtones was a thing. Mm. And so she was working for this ringtone company in their legal department. And so I came on as an intern. I would come out there like two days, two or three days a week. Um, I still was living in, this was before, actually before I moved from Philly. Um, and I would take the China bus to New York. <laughs> I've been on the China bus. Yes. <laughs> I would take the China bus on like a Tuesday. And then I would stay with my sister for the week. And then I'll come back like on a Thursday and be in Jersey. Yeah. And I'll do like my style blog and all that kind of stuff. And so what I learned from her was just like I learned about, you know, privacy policies and okay. terms and conditions. It was a lot of reading, a lot of research. Mm -hmm. I was learning about the, like the music industry and licensing and all that kind of stuff. But it was boring. Licensing and in what in what standpoint? For ringtones. OK. So it. this was like I said, it was a ringtone yeah, company. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, they were yeah, doing, yeah. dealing with a lot of licensing. So I'm like spending a lot of time learning about those things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, prior to, like I said, my mom was a, uh, worked at a law firm. And so it was an intellectual property law firm. So okay. I worked there like summers while I was at nice. Temple. And so I learned a lot about, you know, your intellectual property and patents and trademarks. trademarks. Um, you know, these are skills that today are, are viable. You yeah. know, my experience actually helps me in what I do now. But back then I didn't know yeah, any yeah, about, yeah. anything about that. So I continue working for the lawyer for the summer and I was just like yeah this ain't it and so <laughs> I was like this is not it and my mom is still on me like you need a job like and I, I wasn't getting paid like oh, yeah. at all oh, wow. she was like you need a job you need a job you need a job you need a job and I, I wanted money Yeah. and so I was like I'm, I have this legal background let me just lean into that that's kind of like how I got into it just like I wasn't passionate about okay. it just like let me lean into it Um. so I ended up getting a job like as a legal recruiter and hated that job mm. yo. I hated it hated <laughs> it it was like literal like being a recruiter, I was like 22, like having to like interview people like 
twice my age sometimes <laughs> to get them jobs. And it was like, it really showed me, like I, want, like I said, I wanted to be a yeah. lawyer, that these people, like even if you graduate from the top law schools, you still couldn't find a job. And so uh-huh. it was like contract work that they were getting hired to do. Uh-huh. And so I was just like, do I really want to be a lawyer? There's like this influx of lawyers, but no jobs for wow. them. And so I really started thinking about, is this something that I really want to do? Like if I'm going to be a lawyer, I need to go to the top schools. Mm. I need to graduate top of my class to get a really good job. And so I'm still thinking about it. Not really like, eh, yeah. I don't know. Um, during this time, like I mentioned, I was an athlete. Uh, so Twitter became a thing and I would just be on Twitter all day. This is how it passed like mm-hmm. through these boring, miserable jobs would just be on Twitter. Twitter. <laughs> like the during, I got a lot of different opportunities from Twitter in like an early, really early um, Don Diva magazine. I used mm-hmm. to write for them. Oh, wow. Yeah. Just randomly. I always really enjoyed writing. Um, you know, they're talking about like hood stuff. Like, yeah. and I was really into like you drug know, you culture. You know Rob Lopez? No. Rob, right. Rob, Trey it Mark sound familiar, Rob. It sound familiar. Yeah, you know about Trey Mark Rob. He was a, a big he writer. He was a writer in there. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and so like I like I mentioned, I was really, I wanted to be like in the DEA or something. So I was really into like, <laughs> like BMF. Like I read all the, all, I read about all the notorious drug lords. Uh, like that was just something I was really interested in. And then like, you did the articles. And on then I did now. the articles. I remember like one of my articles was on um, Christopher Duddis. This is when he did like the whole thing in there. It was like, it was a good time. That was yeah, a good time. Yeah. So I'm doing these things while I'm doing other things. So like just hustling, trying to find my footing, yeah. like really just where where do I fit in? But I'm going to try. I don't know if I like it, but I'm going to try. You were still at least doing style, stylist work on the Still school. doing the stylist okay. work. And that mainly was like on like the weekends. Yeah. And then I, um through the lawyer, she linked me with this other stylist in the city. And so I would assist her sometimes. Okay. Um, and, you know, I just was like, like I said, just hustling, trying yeah. to figure it out. Um, And then I was on Twitter one day and I see like this, uh this, this tweet about this Philadelphia passion football team is looking, having tryouts. <laughs> and at one sport, I've always wanted to play with football. And wow. so I'm like, yo, there's women that play football. So immediately <laughs> I just started researching like all their games and are like tackling each other and doing all this kind of crazy stuff. I'm like, yo, this is fire. <laughs> I want to do this. I want to do this. And so my boyfriend at the time, he was really big into football. And okay. so I told him, I was like, yo, you got to train me. So every Saturday, Sunday, we're going to be on the field. <laughs> so hold on. So you never played football at all before never, but that? I always had natural athletic ability. Got it, got I, like, I, could I mean, play track, any, Yeah, basketball. I could play any sport like, and I'm super competitive. What I, I got to stop and ask you, what do you think are the primary key things that translate across all sports if you can name like three things um discipline okay competitiveness and you gotta have the heart so not nothing even physical with not, that nothing it's just even physical you not? just gotta want it like you just gotta want and it you, you gotta want to win different things yep yeah and all that you do like i yeah. think that's just the hustler spirit okay like, period you know so so let's go back to the football training so back to this football, is different this is real different so he's <laughs> training me like i'm catching it it's like easy peasy <laughs> tryouts is like in a couple of weeks so I go to the tryouts, like, in the tryouts, it's, like, mad people in the tryouts. Like, women and then people watching. Yeah, yeah. So it was a thing. So I'm like, oh, it's people watching. Like, it's, I'm going like, to show out. Like, I'm done. <laughs> and I love Ocho Cinco. Uh-huh. So I was just like, I was wanting to mimic him and all that he did. So I was like, yo, Ocho Cinco, Ocho Cinco. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I ended up making a team. And oh, wow. So during this time, I was working in New York at the recruiting agency. Um this was You're a Philly styling, team. You... I was doing styling. I had a boyfriend. <laughs> um, the football was three days a week in Concha Hawken. So to put that in perspective, so from New York, well, from Jersey, I would have to wake up at 5 a.m. to make it to work by 8.30. Mm, I would get on a on Greyhound. Bus? No, no, I didn't do the China. It's, I would, greyhound, it's a Greyhound. So I would drive my car to the Greyhound, park, hop on the Greyhound, get to work by 8.30, work till 4.30. 
take a bus back to Jersey's like 630, 6, 6.30, 6.30, hop in my car, day. drive a drive an hour to Conjahawken. I would by the time I got there, practice already started. So I always oh, come wow. in late. So but I'm you'd be there. sleeping on the bus. Yep. I get there at like 7.30. I'll practice. We practice at about 10. Wow. Then an hour back to Jersey, about 11. And then luckily it was like every other day I had practice. So mm-hmm. though that was two days a week. So when did you see a boyfriend? Um, when did I see him? <laughs> like, because we shared the, for football, like he would take me to practice. Okay. And okay. Stuff, so practice you had was that on, Yeah. Practice was on like Saturday and Sunday too. So he would take okay. me. We'll, we'll, we will make it work. You know, he was working too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I was young. I was just like, yeah, whatever. whatever. <laughs> see <laughs> so me when you see me. <laughs> right. So I was doing that, um, from April to, I want to say to September. And so okay. around September was when the first game was. And so this is when we started putting on helmets. Was this was this like a pay league too? Like they were paying you yeah, to play? Yeah, and the games was on MTV too. Like that was the biggest I, I, thing. Yeah, I think I kind of The remember. biggest thing was like, yo, I'm going to be on TV. Because like, <laughs> I've always wanted to be on TV. Wow. Like you don't understand. Like it was like a burning thing. Yeah, like, even yeah. as a kid, like I was always in school plays. Okay. I was always acting at Temple. I took a few acting classes. Like I, these are things that I yeah. really enjoyed doing. But I never thought that this is a, something I can have a career in. Like I, nobody ever cultivated that in me. Nobody ever like pushed me towards that you know my parents got so many other things going on three three four five other kids to worry about um so to really harp on just one it was just I look back and I like I empathize with that but that's why it's like if I ever have kids I'm like what do you want to do let's do it kind of thing I mean curiosity wise it's like culture wise where like your parents from um American so my mom is from down south my dad is from down south my stepdad is actually Puerto Rican um, so yeah, they're all from the school of just, you know, put, put <laughs> right, hard work, work yeah. kind of thing, work a job, do it. Um, so yeah, you, you get to the helmet game I get game to now. the helmet game, yo, tackling, let me tell y'all, it's <laughs> mental. So like in, on lingerie, it was called the lingerie football league. You played both sides of the field. Okay. So you were defense and offense. So I was a receiver and I had to be a safety <laughs> And so trying to tackle somebody was the biggest mental thing. I was not good at it. But being a receiver, I was killing it. But being a a safety, absolutely not. And so you have like a helmet on. Everything is blocking your vision. Like it's it's crazy. Like you're nice without all that stuff. (laughs) But without it, with it, you're just like, what's going on? I can't see nothing. So this one particular practice, um, I went out for like a slant. This is, I'm on offense. Went out for a slant. This girl, her name is Jenny Butler. She was like so short and she was doing CrossFit. She was like a little pit bull. <laughs> she tackled me, yo. And I just yelped. When knocked out. When knocked out. I went this way. My foot went this way. Ended up breaking my ankle. Oh. Football career over. Luckily, it was my well, left ankle. How many ankle. games did you play? None. Oh, it was three is- weeks before the first game. Wow. And I'm like, yo, I'm going to be on TV. I'm going to wow. be a star. Wow. Three weeks. I'm just like, are you effing serious in the scrimmage in a scrimmage and like you know it's your teammate it's my teammate and i wasn't the first person to break the ankle they're like a couple oh of gosh. months before that another girl broke her ankle and she, she understand it was a team like right and i'm just like i mean but it's like you're going yeah, like yeah you're going like for you're real. going you're going for real and it's like she tackled me she didn't tackle yeah, my ankle yeah, my ankle true. just so happened to get caught up in the mix uh-huh. and so i saw how the team did the other girl that broke her ankle they just was like the show peace. goes on like kind of thing. MTV two is like, yo, like, yo, <laughs> let's gotta go. On. And so then I was just like, and I know my coaches because they were banking on me being like, you know, yeah. when we were gonna win the championship. Like my number was number one. Wow. Like it was all on me. You about to be the star and you just started playing like three months before. <laughs> Ankle broke. I'm crying like on my way home, I'm like crying, like, God, why my life is over. 
and then I still had the job. And so I'm like, how am I going to work? Mm, so I can't go to work tomorrow. Mm. And it's just like, I'm young. I'm like, what if, what if like they don't, they deny my claim because I was playing football or something like that. So I was like, I fell down the steps or whatever. <laughs> so I was like, it don't matter and now. So I ended up getting like short term disability or whatever. And so I just was home all day. Wow. Um, doing nothing like I had to keep my foot elevated like this for like yeah. 23 hours a day um I ended up getting surgery two yeah. surgeries actually Ooh. um so like while I was home is where I really got to stop and really think about like, like what, what I am I doing do. like, like what am what I doing am, with my yeah, life yeah. like pick something at this point I'm like 25 I'm like what am I doing with my life like yeah. what is really going on yeah. Um, I mean, do you do you keep the title ex pro football player like in your your bio or no? Yo, that's, I that's never not even got in a there. chance to play again. Best believe, if I played one game, you would've, would've, it would have been would, in there. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Um, so I would just sit and like uh, watch TV all day, and this is when YouTube was a thing. So I would watch YouTube videos all day about all kinds of crazy stuff. I learned how to make a wig, learned how to do my makeup. I learned how to do all kind of stuff from these women YouTube. just sharing, you know, while you were healing your ankle, while I was healing, and okay. so. Like I mentioned, like I was never really afraid to be in front of camera mm-hmm. or in front of people. And so I would, I used to like make like little funny videos and stuff on YouTube okay. before all of this. Before like, like yeah, TikTok before, was a yeah, thing before or... TikTok was a thing. I was already doing those kind of things, like just randomly mm-hmm. here and there. Um, but I never really dedicated time to like building a following because I didn't know anything about this community. Yeah. Like these are women like just sharing their their routines and people are just following along and just engaged and they're getting view- and very low budget set- setups too. Mm-hmm. Like no lighting, like everybody's <laughs> recording off their, their webcam or something. IPhone and so, four. right. This was, was this? Yeah. iPhones was out there. <laughs> Whatever the first one was. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just had like a moment. I was like, if these girls can do it, like why can't I? True, true. Because I do have a background in like fashion. I really enjoyed it. DIY stuff. Before that, I used to sell things in my closet. I would like remix them. Why or would you sell it? I used to make sunglasses, like any, like I literally dabbled in so many different but things. Where, where did you sell it? Um, where did I sell it? On my website. Okay. Oh, oh so big you, cartel was a thing. Okay, got so it. So big cartel so was a thing, a but I sell, yeah, site. I had a big cartel site and it was through my website, my my blog. Okay. Um, so I would sell things, nice. and um, I'm not sure if you ever heard of Fashion Bomb Daily. You probably yeah. Have. So this is they were like OGs when it came to fashion. No, I mean no, I've had Claire Summers been on the show before. Really? Yeah. Okay, so dope. Like every time I see, her, I'm like, yo, you don't understand, like Word, what you did. Yeah. She, that was so iconic because becoming the fashion bomb of the day was a thing. Yes. And I remember my friend submitted me. This is before um, breaking my ankle or anything like that. And the comments was in shambles. Like people were ripping my style. Oh. Like, it was like, it was like half and half. And then my friends would come in and like, you know, they were all in They're the trying comments, to trying defend to... me. Like, girl, you don't know style. Da, da, da. Like, you people got roasted. Were, people were brutal back then. You said you dressed wild. I dressed wild and I didn't care. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it was just like, damn. Like this was the first time like the internet, I, I saw like the power of the yeah, internet. Like yeah. they were going But fashion in. ball, fashion ball daily co-signed it though. So it don't matter. Like yeah. I was just like, damn. But it was like, I didn't like. I kind of was like hurt a little bit, mm-hmm. but I was just like, I'm not gonna change. Like True. this is who I am, kind of thing. I'm just gonna use it. I'm gonna get. They gonna see. They yeah, gonna yeah, see, yeah, kind of yeah. thing. Um, I'm and so, ahead like, of my times. Right. I'm at, way ahead of my times. And so, and I was like, I looking back, I just was like throwing a lot of things together, trying to see what stuck because I didn't know what my style was. Okay. I was doing a lot of different things. Um. And it wasn't trendy. It was just like, you know, it was a different world mixed with like Lisa Bonet, mm-hmm. mixed with like, like, I don't even, like, it was a lot going on back Little then. Jasmine guy going on too. <laughs> right? It was no. a lot going on. Um, so back to me, like uh, starting YouTube, um, 
the very first video I did was like DIY high-waisted jean shorts or something like that. And, you know, I got like 500K views Wow. and like that. But that wasn't even the first video I did. Before that, I did like maybe three or four videos and it was like 186 wow. views. Like all these videos are still up there. They're yeah, probably yeah, private yeah. now, but yeah. I always keep it up there just so I can look and see like the journey. Your like I didn't stop. Like, you know, the first video, you know, got 100 views. Second video got maybe 150 and but I enjoyed it so much. I didn't care about going. the views. I just wow. kept going. It was something like eventually my ankle healed. I went back to work in New York, in New York, okay. went back to work in New York. But I couldn't wait to get off just so I could come back home and record videos like I was wow. doing on my iP- the very first iPad. And I would like upload maybe five times a week. I would record something right then and there, edit it, upload it. You edit it on the iPad, too? I had okay. iMovie. Okay. I had iMovie okay. on my um my MacBook, but it was okay. a very like 09 MacBook. Um, so I'm like learning all these skills, like at video yeah. editing and, you know, yourself, everything yourself, everything myself. It was just like, I enjoyed it. So I couldn't wait. That was what was sustaining me. It was just, I can't wait to get home and do like, what am I do this weekend? What am I do? Like, I'm gonna keep challenging myself. And so people just started watching more. Like it went from like hundred views. And then I uploaded that DIY video and it got like 500 K views. And like, people were like, I want more. And that was the momentum that I needed. And I mm. got that early. Like, mm. it's not like I had to grind for a year to get it. It's just like, I really was like focused on filling a void. Cause this was before you can just go into urban or any store and just get some shorts that are distressed. Like True. everything was like, you had to do it yourself, do it yourself. And I was I mean, really, was it a look at the time or were you kind of even creating a look in a sense? I feel like I was creating a look because this is when I was really into thrifting. And so mm. this is when around, right. I think this was before Macklemore came out with that thrift store song. <laughs> and so thrifting was still a very much a subculture. Like uh-huh. not everybody did it. And so, I was showing things that you can get from the thrift store and DIYing them into something new and inventive or something that you might've wanted, but you don't know how to get it. I mean, I'm going to fast forward a little bit just to bring it right back. But did you feel like because of Mac Lamore, like that kind of changed the thrifting scene? It did because then they, I'm like, yo, I've been, I've been doing this. And then more people like crowding the spot. More people crowding it, but it still didn't like completely catch on Okay, because people still had a very negative connotation when it came to thrifting. Yeah, like people yeah. had their, you know, it's dirty, clothes. somebody else's clothes, like da da da. So I was a part of the culture of just, you know, re or unlearning that or just kind of okay. like rebranding what thrif- thrifting okay. means, um, especially when it comes to the environment. Or even my take was just like being able to play around with your style for for half the cost. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so people really enjoyed that. And then naturally they started inquiring about like all my different you know, different types of styles and my hair, this was around the natural hair movement. Mm. Um, so everybody was going natural. So, so the timing was just right the for everything. The timing was right. Was just... And that's the thing. The timing was right. Like okay. God's timing is always divine. Yes. Yes. Um, and so I just, you know, looking back, like definitely one of the OGs, definitely one of the pioneers. And to be still be doing it to this day, 10 yeah. years later, like it really speaks to the longevity of what I do. And I'm not in it for just the money or the views or the, vi- the virality of it. I'm it's in just it. Your like, love. Really, yeah. It's authentic for sure. Now, I mean, of course, I, monetary wise, mm-hmm. it has to be a point where you're just like, all right, well, I'm getting the views, this, that, and the third. I got my big cartel. Yeah. I hate this job that I'm doing, mm-hmm. but I'm doing it because mom said I need to, you know, get, get paid or get out in a right. sense, right? That's kind of, right. kind of the conversations that happen. How did you translate it into something that's... Well, that job, they eventually fired me. Well, they laid me off. Okay. Um... They ended up, the company ended up being bought by another company and, you know, 
people had to go. Yeah. I mean, obviously it was a it was a shot to my ego because it's like, how dare you get rid of me? But I wasn't really giving them anything. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, my heart was somewhere else and um I was free. Like I mm. had to look at it like, yo, I get to make videos all Dang. day long. And so around this time is when I probably got my first check from YouTube, from Google AdSense. It was $300. And I was like, yo, you can make money from this? Yeah. I didn't even know you can make <laughs> so money you, you from this. you didn't really know. I didn't know. Wow. And then maybe a couple, I probably had a, by the end of that year or middle of, so this was 2011 when I started it. By the, I would say summer, uh, early fall of 2012, I probably had like maybe 11,000 subscribers. Mm. Um, at this point, around 10K is when... They had they had this thing called like YouTube networks. It was kind of like the record labels of yeah, YouTube talent. Yeah. I mean channels. And so this one called Style Hall reached out to me to be wanna be a part of their network. Oh, wow. And so what the split is, usually like a a 1090 split, they'll take 10% of the ad revenue, they'll give you 90. Oh, okay. Um back then it was like CPMs. You would probably get like, what was it, 25 cents for every thousand views. It was something okay. stupid. Like you wasn't really making no money. Yeah, it's still a fraction, yeah, but it's, it's still something. a fraction. It was something. And so they they, they reached out to me. I was like, yo, this is like, this is dope. Like, and so uh, according to them, they were supposed to like promote you more and, you know, get you more deals or whatever. Oh, oh. But this was before like sponsored videos okay. or anything like that. I think the first thing I ever, before sponsored stuff was like brands would send you things. And so she in, you know, she in, yeah, yeah, yeah. it used to be called she inside. Okay. And so they were the first brand. This was like 2012 that ever sent me anything. Okay, nice. And so looking back, I'm just like, I would never wear shoes. But you're no like, yo, I made it though. They sent I'm me like, something. yo, but to see where they're at now, it's just yeah, like, yeah, okay, yeah. they haven't really changed their model. They're, they're still doing the same thing, but they just clearly have a broader audience. Um, but they were the, one of the first people to send me things. Um, their Karma Loop, mm-hmm. they used to send me stuff um, just to like do videos and hauls and stuff with wow. that. Um, so yeah, 2012, um, 2013 is when I moved back to New York. Mm-hmm. And so I knew I needed a job. And so at this point, at this time, probably like maybe 27, 28. Um, and I never, like, I used to want to work in fashion so much. I couldn't even get a retail job. I feel, yo, I applied to Foot Locker like 15 times. They didn't even call me back. I couldn't even get a retail job. And so like, at this point, I'm like, yo, I got to take anything. And so, um. The Gap right here in Soho, there was a Gap right next to the H&M on Broadway. It was wow. a small, it used to be a denim store, but they mm-hmm. ended up converting it to a women's store. It was very small boutique style. Um, They hired me to be a visual merchandiser wow. um, there. And so this was such a humbling experience because I'm like 28 working with 18 year olds. Um, <laughs> so, but I never looked at it as something down to me. I still have my channel. I was still making a little bit of money from that. It was just like, this is a part of the process. And I remember I met the president of uh, The Gap. And this is before like influencer marketing was a thing. And I'm like, yo, I have all these ideas. You should mm. do this. You should sponsor one of my videos. Like I could do so many different things with The Gap. And he was just like, yeah, yeah, I heard. He was like, <laughs> I remember he came, yeah, I heard you have 100K subscribers on YouTube. And I was like, I do. Yeah. I was, and you know, I'm trying to like put him on to game. He's like he little like, Kanye. Like, right. You know, That's what to- I'd be looking like. <laughs> <laughs> and so one thing, about, one thing about retail is they keep, they promise you like, oh, you can be an assistant manager. You can be a manager or you can go into corporate just to keep you there. Yeah. And so by like the month, like month eight, I was just like, yeah, this isn't this working. Is just, they, they lying. They lying. And then at the time, my mom's at my mom's job, they a position opened up in her department, and so she was like a file clerk, and so at a law firm. But I would be making way more money, like mm-hmm. 
I'm telling you, retail is like. I mean, for, for perspective, like the first job you had that was you were doing the trip for the travel on the Greyhound. Like, yeah. how much was that even annually? Annually, that was like thirty two. Okay. But mind, mind you, I was living at home, didn't really have any bill. The biggest bill I had was that bus ticket. Exactly, like that that's... was monthly four hundred dollars, and that hurt. Yeah, yeah. But after taxes, I probably would see like nine hundred dollars a check. Yeah. And yeah. so I had to put, you know, I really didn't have much expenses yeah. like my phone bill, um, probably my car insurance because my car was already paid off. Um, and then that bus thing. But I, you know, I was into fashion, so I wanted to, you know, wear some fashion some, some stuff, fresh, you know, joints, yeah. <laughs> but I would thrift Got it. and I would get way more money for my buck Got it. with thrifting. And so I would try to kind of use um, the money left over for like footwear and stuff. Okay. Um, I wasn't really big in sneakers during this time because. Like, my love for sneakers would just go, not even love, it would just be like, whatever's going on right now is kind of not going on with my style, but I've always kept, like, all my sneakers. Like, okay. that's one thing, no matter where I lived, I kept all the sneakers. And nice. they would just stay in the box, they would nice. just be somewhere. Nice. Um, my mom would be like, Kian her sneakers, Kian her sneakers, but I would never wear them. Okay. Um, <laughs> but but that's how you keep them fresh. I mean, they're sitting in a box, they're going to yeah. deteriorate, that, like, that, regardless yeah, they whether they you wear them or not. But now I'm very much pro- Wear your sneakers. Yes. Wear them, yes. wear them, wear them. Um, where we at? So yeah, I ended up working at my mom's job. So I went from making 32 to making 1075 at the Gap. And I think the biggest check I seen at the Gap was probably like $500. That was like 50 million overnight. <laughs> like I had to work for every bit of that 500. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I went from there. And then at my mom's job, I probably was making 55 okay. A, a, okay. a year. And I was just like, Oh, yo, yo, um, I was up. comfortable. My yeah. rent, because I was living in my grandparents' condo. They had a condo in Canarsie, so I was living there, and I had a roommate. One of my um, so girlfriends. You spent some time in Canarsie too. I did. Yeah. I did. Uh, one of my girlfriends um, from uh, Temple. She was my roommate. Wow. So our rent was probably like six hundred dollars, maybe. Wow. Six hundred. Wow. Um, and so I was just like, yes, comfortable for a little bit, but then you know that aching. This is around a time when like. The, the influencer industry is like starting to bubble up. Like people are outside. And so I'm like, this is when Snapchat was the thing. I'll be watching people snaps and be like, damn, I wish I was at Dumbo house. I wish I was here. I wish I was there. I wish I was there. Um, but I ended up, I was there for like maybe four or four or five years, four okay. years, something like that. Another position ended up opening up. So I moved up again, making more money. And so that was what was, what was keeping me comfortable Got it. because I still wasn't making that much money from influencing. Mm -hmm. Um, but at least you started to feel, you started to get an understanding of how you could. Yes. I started seeing that and I started making a plan. I think it was 20, 2017. Um, I was just like, yo, I want to do this full time. And I was like, this it's is not what that I, long ago. It's not that long. I was like, I want to do this full time, but I need to give myself time to one save. I'll give myself goals. Like I need a manager. This, like I said, this is when it's, the industry is starting to pick up. Like people are having managers, like yeah. getting them deals and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I saw like a few people that I started with start to branch out and go full time. So I'm like, oh, it's possible. Like, I feel like if I never would have got, you know, saw it, I probably would still be working, you know, a nine to five. But I saw other people doing it and I was like, they don't have half the hustle I have. Yeah. And so I know I can do this. Yeah. And so, but I had to get, like, I had some issues with money. Like I was having, I had two incomes at this point and I still was living paycheck to paycheck. Mm. I had to, I had to get my issue with money together. I had to like, not even just save, just become more financially um, intelligent and just learn how to save and not spend, spend, spend. Um, it's, it's all about that mindset. 
And so, so I, I mean, said, what was the first step financially to to do that? Did I was you like, I to... need to save 20K before okay. I leave. I was like, I'm going to save 20K. Um, and I was like, before that, for me to get to 20K, I need a manager because mm. they're going to they're gonna be able to get me higher, better deals. And I could spend less time negotiating and going through emails and stuff and more time creating. And so this was like the summer of 2017. So I ended up getting a, I put a, some fillers out, ended up getting a manager. Um, and I was like, boom, done. And so fourth quarter is where, where most influencers make the most money because of holiday and stuff. Yeah. And so I was just like, every check that I got, just put away, put away, put away. Um, and I gave, my mom was my manager. So oh, wow. I told her in the summer, I was like, um, my last day is going to be De- December 31st. Like, that's when I'm out. She was like, yeah. Uh. <laughs> but like my mom, like they knew what I was doing. Yeah. But, you know, your parents, they don't know. They don't, under- they don't understand. It- they don't understand. I had to show her a check and be like, this is how much I make per brand deal. And wow. she was like, okay. So now she's like, she, you're good. But it was just like that motherly love. Like she didn't want me to be, she always worried about her yeah. kids or whatever. So of like, course, yeah, natural. Said, yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so December came and I was like, this is my last day or like, this is my two weeks. Like, let's tell everybody else this is my two weeks. Um, but they ended up keeping me on, like I negotiated uh, working from home. And so mm. this is prior to the pandemic, mm-hmm. prior to mm-hmm. people working from home or anything like that. So I negotiated working from home until they found a replacement. And so literally like the universe opened up January 1st is when everything just started pouring in. And this mm. is 2018. Everything started pouring in. Um, and it got to the point where I would be on set at photo shoots, but I got my laptop out doing work between shots and stuff. <laughs> um, I was finagling it as much wow. as I could until I couldn't anymore. Wow. Yeah. And so like once the summer hit, I was just like, yo, I'm done. And so I told him like, this is tomorrow's my last day. I hopped on a plane, went to Paris and Amsterdam. Mm. And then like, once again, the universe just opened up. And that's when I really started to see not only just the growth in the numbers, but just more money. What, what what was Paris and Amsterdam for you? What did that do for you? I've always dreamed about going to these places. Yes. Um, they like I never thought I would see them. Like I would be in college and be like, I want to visit Paris. I want to visit, visit this place, Amsterdam. You know, because of we culture and stuff. I was like, oh, it's <laughs> Amsterdam. I want to see what that's like and these cafes and all this kind of stuff. Um, so that was amazing. What I don't think that was my was that my first time in that wasn't my first time in. Paris or Amsterdam. Okay. I went like a couple years prior, but I still was working. But that was like the that was like the freedom thing. It's just like let me get up and just go to a place that represents freedom for me. And and I feel like anyone in fashion has to take that trip, of right? Course. Like it's different once you're there. Mm-hmm. And I, I'll tell you, just because you brought up Fashion Mom Daily before, Claire had shared on the show that she went to Paris and slept in a bathtub. Like that was her her bedroom for a while, like wow. on her hustle and her grind, wow, you know, that's but dope. it's like, you have to hit Paris you as a, you definitely, yeah. you got to see what that's like. And now Paris is something that I, oh, I, like before the pandemic, I would try to go like every summer, I would wow. hit Paris and Amsterdam, like just, okay. pop, you know, cause you get on a train, you go back and forth between all these nice. countries. So that to me reckon, uh, like really solidify, like I made it like this, yeah, is, you know, yeah, this yeah. is, this is we're it. Yeah. We here now. And that was 2018. Um, at this point you're in, New York? Yeah, I'm in New York. Yeah. Um, and so 2018, I ended, like, it was a lot of, like, things that happened for me in 2018. Like, I went through a breakup. Mm. Um, I had to move out of my grandparents' house because they were selling it. 
Um, I quit my job. So it was a lot of transitions that were that's, happening. That's to me. a lot of drama. In it one was shot. a lot. And I was just like, whoo, we were, made it. Were you, so were you about to give up at any point? Like, no. you have a breaking point? No. no. You just like screw everybody? Um, Like, that's one thing. I've always been really strong mentally. And I always just, yeah, I always just been like, like, it was a selfishness. That's why, you know, in my relationships, it didn't really work. But I was always focused on myself. Always, like, focused on, like, what is the bigger picture? Like, I'm not saying I didn't deal with up and da- ups and downs, but I was like, this ain't it. This is not the life, I, you know, I want. So I'm always going to keep going. Now, I mean, that's dope because resilience is such a thing. People have to find it, right? Yeah. And it goes into your whole workflow with everything you're doing. If something's a door's not open, you're still going to push it until it's finally there for right. you. Right. Because like, you know, like I said, I couldn't get a job in fashion, so I created my own. Yeah. And so I didn't see it then, but, you know, just through those paths and being open to new things and allowing the universe and God to guide you just through these messages. Like, Tony Ayo, who's, who's to say? Like, I would, <laughs> like, I would like, who? What? Like, that is so random. Yo, t- yo, I, I got a random Yayo story. Right. I, I saw him somewhere and I was like, yo, is that Yayo? It was a black tie event. So everyone's wearing tuxedos and he's just wearing like some like jeans and like a button down. And I wasn't sure. So I just looked at him from a distance and I was like, <laughs> I did the yayo dance real quick. He did it back. Wow, that's <laughs> so, dope. So I walked up to that him. That is dope. But no, that's random. So yeah, so that's yayo dope. made but you like, a stylist. Just taking those those cues mm-hmm. from the, like I was, you know, young, naive, but I still understood like paths. Like, yeah. you know, you're given a choice and understanding and trusting the process. And so even when I was working at the Gap at 28, yeah. you know, making 1075, I knew that was a part of my process. Or, Kia yay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. I was like, yeah, I need to do a collaboration with the Gap now. <laughs> exactly. Mm. What would you call it though? Kind of, you know. Kind of got the Yeezy. I you mean, got the Yeezy. I don't know. Yeah, you gonna think about know. that. The Yeezy. Think about the Yeezy. <laughs> cap. <laughs> cap with a K. <laughs> but no. So I mean, I definitely want to go into the financial part of it because mm-hmm. you obviously you put in a lot of work. Like you were yeah. already doing it for years before it really hit. Before so, making any money. So, I mean, I want to ask like for someone who's thinking, I, this is the lifestyle I want. Like I want to go down. Do you feel like it's too late in 2022 with the timing of trying to start right now? No, it's just like, you gotta, you're gonna have to change your focus. Like mm. I feel like, you know, when we got started back then, I'm not saying we, because it was a small group of people that did, that did it. Mm. It was for the love of it. Yes. You know, it was just like, yo, I'm helping. You know, it was very authentic. Now people really see Kia and they're like, I want to do that. And yeah. it's not necessarily. You got to change, change your focus. Um, you have to have the intention to do it. Because like I always say I'm an unintentional influencer because I didn't intend, like I, I accidentally got into this. But now you really have to have the intention and set goals and have strategy. There's a lot to go in there into it. And even me to continue on my path of growing and longevity and doing another 10 years, there is a sense of um, strategy that's involved. It's not just uh, for the love of it. It's not just for being authentic. Because this is your life. This is how you live now. Right. This is how you eat. This is how I eat. This is how I keep a roof on my head, you know, food in my my belly and my dog. Like, you know, I got people who depend on me. So um, it's really important. Is it it your dog named like 50 or something? His name is 50. Any Yayo G-Unit relation or? No, his um his name at the adoption agency was Curtis. And I wasn't going to call him Curtis. So his name is 50. So it's it's G-Unit's meant to be around yes, in your I'm life. I'm telling you, I got to be 50. Because look, I need to be a part of the part of power universe. Okay? That's it. Um. I do want to go back to sneakers. And I think right now in the whole 
industry as a whole, like firstly, there are a brand new set of women that are into collecting or mm-hmm. just adding on. So, I mean, how do you feel about that now with that being a new thing? And are they seeking you because of that? I think it's I think it's cool, but you know it's a male dominated industry, yeah. so women will always get like kind of the crumbs of it. And I still don't think we really have the representation that we deserve when we set a lot of the trends. Like guys look at us for style cues. Who's spending the money? It's the women yeah. that's buying the sneakers for the men and their True. lives and things of that nature. Um, so I think we we it's long overdue mm-hmm. to get some to put some respect on our names. Yes. And I think it's dope that I was a part of a, a culture that's kind of like making women more, you know, want to love sneakers more, even just talk about the love of it. Um, just loving sneakers or just being open to it. Cause you know, when I was in college and high school, I got called all kinds of names because this is, you know, cause I wore sneakers. They quit with like a tomboy or something? Tom, like, not even tomboy. Uh, like, oh, she's a lesbian, you know, just because I'm wearing a skirt with it. Right. You know, um, so I'm like, yo, I walked so these people can run, and yes. that's fine. That's a beautiful thing. Um, but yeah, I think I think we're we still have a long way to go as mm-hmm. far as women in the industry. I want us to get more opportunities, and it not necessarily doesn't have to be me because yeah. you know it doesn't. <laughs> it does not. Have to. I mean, I would love those opportunities, but um, I would just love to see women, more women in general, yes. with those opportunities, like becoming creative director of, like mm. you know, New Balance just hired. Um, uh, Joe Fresh Goods is one of the creative oh, directors. Wow. And not saying that he doesn't deserve it, but I would have loved to see a woman, yeah, I feel you. you know, in that space um, or in any space, creative directing for the general brand, not just the women's department. Um, so, I mean, for you personally, have there been any points where you felt like biased directly and, you know, it put you in a weird place? No, because I really don't pay attention to that yeah. stuff. Like, I really have a shield around me for I'm any, saying, any and all negativity. It's <laughs> resilience kind of, all around. Yeah, it's just like, you say what you want or do what you want. Like, I know what's for me is going to be for me. And as long as I'm, you know, I stay focused on that, like, I'm always going to be aligned. Mm. Jordan or Yeezy? Jordan. Why? Yeah. Because Jordan is, is, there would be no Yeezy without Jordan. <laughs> without what Jordan. you mean? <laughs> Uh-uh, I'm not even a huge Yeezy fan. Really? Um, I think, and even like Jordan 1s used to be like my favorite sneaker, but mm-hmm. now I just feel like they come out with 5011 colorways. It's just like you are beating us in <laughs> the true. head. It's I'm true. over it. Like, so Jordan, my Jordan 1s are kind of like on ice right now. I'm really loving New Balance. So anything that they put out, I'm like here for it. Let's talk about New Balance because you got yeah. New Balance on right now. Yeah, so what I you just, got on? These are the Bodega. Which ones are these? Oh. Yeah, I'm not really into like knowing the numbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you like, feeling the the colorway? I'm though. feeling the colorway. Green is one of my favorite colors. So this is like an army fatigue mm-hmm. kind of thing going on. They it'll look great with neutrals. Like so, I'm really into wearability, versatility, and function. Um, so things that I can wear a variety of different ways that go with different things. Um, things that can take it can take me from night to day and vice versa. Um, I think new balances are comfortable. Um, and I also love the stories that they tell and the collaborations okay. that they make. I think they're very intentional and the fact that they recognize the value of creators and collaborating mm. with them to like tell their story and just, and they're not just reimagining, um, just putting their name on yeah. the sneaker. It's yeah. really like taking them through the design process. You could see the collaboration in it. Okay. Now that's dope. That's yeah. dope. So New Balance is your brand right now. 
Yeah, I'm rocking with New Balance right are, now. Are there any off, I'll say off brands only because they might be not as known yeah. that you're messing with right now? Solomon's. I love Solomon's. Solomon's. I'm a very, like, you know, I'm an athlete. Yeah, So, like, yeah. I love, you never heard of Solomon's? No, nah, I haven't heard of Solomon's. Check out, check out Solomon. They are a sport outdoorsy brand. Okay. Um. So a lot of their sneakers are well. Most of their all their sneakers are functional. So you about to boost Solomon up right now? Yes. Like everyone's like, yo, Solomon. <laughs> no, Solomon. I think once they go to people in the comments, they'll be like, yes, you don't know but, how Solomon's. But you where know is Solomon's? Solomon's big? Where is that? Like a big? Is there a city that's like, all right, we rock with Solomon? It's white people. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Got you. Got First you. of all, white. Like one thing I want to say about white people is they they don't mess with things that are not of quality and mm. function. Okay. Like they will pay big money for things that actually serve a function like Hoka or Hookah, Hoka, Hoka. Okay. Um, so that's a really big running brand. And so mm. I actually worked with them uh, a few times and people were like, you know, I love Hoka. I love, you know, they're, they're this, they're that. And it's just like, Oh, I didn't even know. <laughs> so like the Solomons are about two something okay. and they, you'll look at them and they're like, these are two something, but you can hike in them. Mm. And they're waterproof. They're like different styles have different things, got it, but got it. I love the colorways that they come out with. And it's just like, they look nice and they're functional. So that's where I'm at right now. Like functional fashion, functional footwear, um, things that I can, you know, go hiking with, but then also I can look fly just walking down Soho. Now, well. now I hear you talking about sustainability a lot. Yes. Now, are you becoming more brain conscious when it comes to that? And is that part of your choice and your decision criteria? It's hard with sneakers because yeah. most of these is made in sweatshops, like to, <laughs> yeah. to keep it a hundred. Yeah. Um, and so I'm not the self-righteous type because uh -huh. I never want people to be like, oh, you're a hypocrite of things of that nature. So yes, of course, I would love if more sneaker brands were sustainable and not just reusing um, uh, recycled material, but mm -hmm. it actually reflects, you know, where the shoes are made, the working env environments, fair wages, things of that nature, not just envi the environmental side of uh, sustainability. But my approach is more so on a wearability side, like mm -hmm. less is more, consuming yes. less, um, things that you're wearing the clothes, wearing the sneakers you already have. Or if you're going to purchase something, purchasing things that are versatile, purchasing yes. things that you can wear in a variety of different ways to get your money's worth, like Solomon's, where you Got can it. wear them hiking. I can pack them to LA so I can go to Runyon Canyon, mm -hmm. but then I also can wear them to brunch. Got it. So that's where I'm at. Got <laughs> it. Got it. I feel you. So versatility. Yes. Now, in regards to, well, even when you're thrifting, is there are there certain brands you look for? Does it matter? Um, more so quality, like silk. Okay. I think silk is an amazing fabric. If you buy it new, it's going to be a hundred plus dollars, but you can find it for like $10 at the wow. thrift store. So I always say, don't buy silk new, go to the thrift okay. store. Um, and just trendy things. Like I always say thrift first because trends come and go. Yes. Um, so check the thrift store first um, before you go out and purchase a trend. Cause you don't even know if you're going to really like it. It's going to be here today, next couple of weeks. Probably not going to be here. When it comes to luxury, do you have a favorite brand? Balenciaga. All day. All day, you said day. that real quick, so that like I'm today, I'm chilling, but that's where I'm usually <laughs> head to toe. <laughs> I feel you. So, um, I just love their their sporty the sporty nature of it. You know, back to my um like my inspirations. Yeah. Um, I love everything that's oversized mm. and you know all that kind of stuff. What's next for you right now? Well, we're gearing up for a season two of Content Queens. That's our yes. podcast. About, I didn't even really get into it, but we did in a sense <laughs> yeah. because we were speaking about how you. Created the content the whole time. Right. And so Content Queens is like me, our our way of giving back, like teaching the game. Yes. So we talk about Influencer Live. We talk about, you know, 
um, different strategies or give tips and things of that nature. So this season, I'm really excited because we're going to have guests this season. Last uh, season was just all us talking. Yes. So this ten, year, you did 10 episodes, right? Yeah, we yeah. did 10 episodes. We did really well. And so this one, we're really focused on like cultivating that environment, cultivating nice. like meaningful conversations that really help our audience out. Um, and and it's really- all different types of content creators or is it focused in a certain area? No, all different types. Okay. Like I feel like everything that we speak about, anybody can take it and use nice. it. Um, so whether you're a brand, um, you're starting a business, whether you're an individual, or if you just want to you know, elevate your personal brand. True, true. All right. Well, no, all dope things. <laughs> I think um, for the young kids that are out there. Wow. Right. What What would be the biggest thing you say to them? Like if they if they listen in. Um. Definitely keep it authentic. Stay true to you. Um. And just keep going. Don't give up. Like there's always going to be resistance, but just power through. Of course. I, I do I do want to ask some like personal things here too. Mm-hmm. Like right now, like how do you find a work life balance when you create your own work? Like right. when do you turn it off? That's that's I'm still trying to figure that out. To be, <laughs> I'm gonna be honest, like, and I'm a person that really finds purpose in work or, or being busy. And so essentially, my work is my life because I'm a creator, a content creator. I share for mm-hmm. a living. Um, but I think it's more so creating those boundaries within yourself, like yeah. what's authentic to share. Like yeah. you don't have to share everything. So now it's just very much if it's not sneakers, if it's not sustainability, if it's not fashion, I'm going to hold it close. Like Got People it. don't need to know everything. There was something we were talking about on Content Queens, the podcast, about, you know, being how we have to share so much. Yeah. Like people want to know, where did you get your sneakers? Where did exactly. you get this sweat? If I post a sweat, where did you get it? Yeah. Um, I post a hair, like any little thing people want to know. Like know I'm right slipping away. out of a mug. Where did you get the mug? Yeah. Wow. And so like, at what point do you be like, if this person, if they get everything that you yeah. have, what, do they become you at that point? <laughs> like, and so it's scary. So it's like, you have to yes. get a reminder, like, yo, boundaries, yes. not just for your audience, but for yourself. Because, that's how we got to where we are from sharing. So we feel like we always have to share because, you know, giving back to our audience. Now, and I'll, I'll leave off with this, like relationship and family, like they, family, et cetera. Is that something at this point where you feel you have to keep that blocked out? Or would you ever see yourself in a situation where you're sharing those journeys? No, too? I would. I don't know. Yeah. I can't really speak on that, um, but probably not. Okay. Probably not. Is, is there, like, I, it's, it's even hard for me to like post my family, but I'm getting yeah, yeah, more comfortable yeah. posting my family because they be like, why are you never post things? <laughs> I'm like, this is my job. Do yeah, I go to your yeah. job and say, what's up? Like, you know, let me get in here. Like people still don't understand yeah. that. Like, I'm like, I'm working. My sister calling me all day. Sorry, I love you. But she calling me all day long. And I'm like, I, you don't think I work? Right now. now they know because you're home all day. That's right. how they look like, at you it. You don't think I work? No, so I'm just... home with the cameras up in <laughs> so, my closet with the DIY. And like people FaceTiming me, I'm just like, yo, like people, I get annoyed. I'm like, yo, wow. I would, would I FaceTime you right now? No, because I know you're working. Yeah, yeah. If it's between the hours of nine and five, I am working. Is there a bay hiding behind the camera right now? No, no. I wish, because I need some help. <laughs> and that's the crazy thing. Like no shade to anybody that has like a husband or a boyfriend that helps, helps them get yeah. content. But I've done this on my yeah, own. Um, Even with a boyfriend, I've done this on yeah, my um, own. Like no picking up cameras, no helping me out everything. to shoot. Everything. You still editing everything yourself? I'm still editing everything. Seriously. Yes, I have a control issue. Like, yeah. I mean, I've gave, I've given some videos to get edited, but it's like it never comes out the way I want wow. it. So it's just like, if I, if I want to do it right, I got to yeah, do you, it myself. You got a busy day. I do. Every and then day. the podcast, I edit that too. But this season, oh, wow. I'm not editing. 
podcast. <laughs> like, we're going to outsource that because I don't need to do that. So now, so we looking out for Content Queen season yes, two. Yes, definitely look out for that. Where um, can everyone find you? Um, The Notorious Kia. Very on- Brooklyn. Very Brooklyn. Very the N O T O R I O U S. Just lay down slow. Uh oh. K I A. And so, even about my name, like it's crazy because it was through the really quick story from from going bouncing from school mm-hmm. to school. When I got to Jersey, um, I guess people have heard it or was hearing about me. So, when this girl, she finally met, she finally <laughs> ran into herself. You, know, you must be in the notorious uh, K I A. Oh, wow. Yes. And so that stuck so, Kim, from high school. Kim or Foxy? Kim. Okay. I knew he was going to say Kim. Kim. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There you have it. Yep. Kim Maria, it's been dope. Amazing. Thank it's you for blue dope. <laughs> and we're going to check you out everywhere. The Notorious Kia Content Queen season two coming out. We're going to check in. It's blue dope. Peace. Peace. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Blue Dope and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest, you can follow the crew on Instagram at Blue Dope TV.